The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Scott Wapner, and you're listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast, the most profitable hour of the trading day. We record this live weekdays at 12 Eastern. Listen in. Welcome to the Halftime Report. I'm Scott Wapner. Front and center this hour, the bull run in stocks. The Dow streaking, the rally showing no signs of peaking. Now the investment committee debates where your money is likely to go from here. Joining me for the hour, Josh Brown, Stephanie Link, Jason Snipe, everybody at Post 9 at the New York Stock Exchange today. Dow's good for 380. Right now, there's the S&P 500, one half of 1%. NASDAQ, well, it's pulling up the rear today. I know it rarely does that, but it is today. It's still up a quarter of a percent, uh, and we'll take it. We're going to get to all of that. We've got so much to get to today. We're going to begin, though, with Josh Brown. We have a halftime trade alert for you. Trade alert. Trade alert. Come on. How do you like your toast? <laughs> How do you like your toast? Uh, toast is a stock that I started to buy very slowly a few months ago. I doubled my position this week. Uh, it's actually an average up. My, my average cost was low 20s. Now it's, I think, 23-ish. I'm not sure. Uh, but anyway, I, the way I was taught growth stocks, you want to buy them on the way up, not average down. You want to buy them when you get confirmation of what you thought was happening is actually happening. And the last time they reported an earnings, and a lot of analyst reports since then have a lot of confirmation that this has the, the potential to be one of the great growth stocks. So it's going to be very volatile. Nobody should follow me into any stock, especially not this one if you can't deal with a high beta. I, I think it'll be almost twice as volatile as the overall uh, S&P 500. It's tech. They haven't uh, had a full profitable year yet. It's, it's growth. It's high multiple. So if it's not your cup of tea, please don't hit me about this. If it's down five bucks, I can't, I can't do anything for you. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, it is. But speaking of, just real quick before you continue, yeah. uh, it's only about 40 cents away from a new 52-week high. So, I mean, the stock's had a nice move. So, I want, so that's what I want to get into. Give me that chart, but put it on, like, the, Patty, put it on, like, the whole screen. My opinion, this is how professionals in this space buy stocks. They're not looking to pay the lowest price. They're looking to buy confirmation of strength. The stock is about to break a 52-week high here. It's not an all-time high here, um, but there's, there's a fundamental driving reason for why that's the case. Um, they were written up in Barron's over the weekend, several buy recs over the last few weeks. Everyone is talking about this concept of the TAM being bigger than what the market originally thought. It's $600 billion in annual restaurant spend. Restaurants are standardizing onto this technology platform because there's too much worker turnover in the industry. You need to be a restaurant owner bringing in people who know how to use the software. We're not just talking about reservations or billing. Toast has like 30 or 40 different products that restaurants all over the world can standardize on. Um, they have a new deal with 
Marriott, all of the restaurants and, and dining facilities in Marriott's can be equipped with uh, this software, this equipment. And I think you're going to see a lot more of that type of enterprise deal rather than just hand-to-hand -hand combat trying to sign up one diner at a time. So as you see that, I think the company's earnings estimates will continue to be ratcheted higher. And I'm not saying it's cheap. I'm not saying it can't rise and fall. I just feel like it's a really interesting way to play the consumer's predilection for experiences rather than goods and not have to pick any one particular publicly traded restaurant chain. I love them all. Don't make me choose between my children. <laughs> the Josh Brown boost is what that stock is getting right now. As you see, it's up better than 2%. And we'll keep our eyes on it for the uh, remaining 56 or 57 minutes of our program. But there's Toast getting a lift. Not the only one buying either, by the way, Steph. Bank of America, Flowtrends, clients bought U.S. equities for the third straight week. Hedge funds and institutions were buyers. Was Stephanie Link uh, a continued buyer selectively into this market? Yes, and we're going to talk about it in the B block. So there's your teaser. Okay. But I think they should be buying. You know, by the way, the Schwab CEO just on CNBC last hour talked about how deposits are actually leaving and not going into higher yielding deposits. They are, but they're also going into the equity markets. So it really jives very well with what we're hearing from the, from other companies and, as well as and, and that That's one of the great points, right? And, and one of the great questions that we've asked, okay, if, if now you have money moving out of cash equivalents, out of treasuries and money markets and things that have been yielding 5% and have been so attractive now for more than a year, and if that fuels the next leg of the rally. Because it has to come from somewhere, and maybe to your point, that's where it's going to come from. Five trillion on the sidelines, so that's a lot of money. I don't think it's all going to go into equity markets, but it's very encouraging. And Schwab, the CEO, he would know uh, firsthand, right? So I actually think the reason you're, that people have more confidence in putting money into the equity markets is because of this whole soft landing thing that we've been all talking about. Mm -hmm. It looks like it's real. It's the consumer, it's jobs, it's wages, it's housing is at a one-year high. Autos are up 16 16.1%. Consumers feel okay. And by the way, today, the industrial production number is still really crummy, but you've had four months in a row where it's getting a little bit better. And I think the PMIs have actually bottomed. So now you're having this broadening happen in the market, which I'm thrilled about because you know that's where I am. And I'm in other parts of the market, like financials and energy, healthcare, industrials. I am in some tech. But Tran transports, right? Transports. I, I wonder if they're another tell of some sort of where the economy really is, right? Transport sector, a new 52-week high. You got UPS, things like that, but just in general, the signal maybe that we're getting from that move. Right, absolutely. And you're going from a, a destocking cycle to a restocking cycle, and that's going to help GDP. And oh, by the way, the retail sales control group, which goes into GDP, was very strong at a six tenths of a percent versus point, uh, 0.3 last month. So I think they're getting a lot of signals that the economy is hanging in, earnings are going to hang in. So far, earnings have been really pretty good, uh, and I think that's why you want to own some equities in this environment. Well, people seem to want to do that. Yeah. Uh, Jason Snipe, Bank of America fund manager survey, soft landing, 68%. Hard landing, 21, no landing, 4. So, you know, you have an overwhelming majority uh, uh, leaning on the soft landing idea. Even some of the equity naysayers, like uh, Marco Kalanovic, who's been negative now for a while, says a narrow path to a soft landing is modestly wider. Now, he still doesn't love U.S. equities by any stretch of the imagination, still thinks that a recession is most likely. Maybe it's pushed off a little further. However, 
he does see the possibility of a soft landing. That's why people seem to be getting more bullish. A hundred percent, Scott. And I think, you know, Steph makes a great point in just how many dollars are still on the sidelines. Five trillion plus dollars are still on the sidelines. So I think off, you know, folks that were offsize positioning, which we talked about a lot early in the year, is still ringing true. And I think that presents an opportunity here in the near term. Also, obviously, we've got softer numbers, you know, from an inflationary perspective on the CPI and PPI last week. So this this idea of fear of missing out, I think, is starting to ring louder. Those bills are those bells are ringing louder. And I think that could play into a catalyst for the next leg of this of this market. Hey, I just want to note, uh, by the way, uh, you have a new uh, now 52 week high on toast, uh, which is now at better than three percent. So we can, we'll just show that. I just want to, just to note that after Josh just told you he bought more, doubled his position in that stock, stock saw an opportunity, took advantage of it, and uh, he just gave you the, the reasons why. Steph, the banks. Mm. Uh, our chart of the day is Morgan Stanley, for good reason, right? Stock's up like 7%. Yeah. And I thought that Gorman, with Leslie Picker, was pretty darn positive. Awesome. Not awesome. like, you know, all in crazy bullish, but... He thinks we bottomed four to six weeks ago. Yep. Next year, we got a big pickup. Said April was weak, May was weak, second half of June started to pick up. Deep recession, not happening. Not as he sees it. I thought that interview was awesome. I really did. Uh, Leslie did a great job with the questions, too. Um, look, the quarter was mixed, and I can tell you that in, across the board for banks so far, the quarters have been mixed. Net interest income, better. Expenses, better. Uh, actually, capital markets activity, better. Um, equity trading and debt capital markets was really strong at Morgan Stanley. And yes, it was the commentary, though, about things getting more constructive in the latter part of the quarter. And then, of course, the commentary about what you just mentioned, that maybe capital markets have bottomed four to six weeks. Not all was perfect. Net interest margins are still going to drag down uh, the numbers overall. And we do get the Basel III regulation in a couple of weeks. So we're going to have to hear about capital raises from some, I think, some of the regionals. I don't. I think the big banks are totally fine. They've got enough capital. But that might. we've got to get through that hurdle. But I just thought that that quarter was very good. The stock is uh, it's up nicely. But still, I mean, it's, it's, it's practically nothing all year. So you can still buy it 14 times forward, 3.6% dividend yield. I mean, Bespoke is talking about how how far the sector itself has fallen, yeah. Jason, a, out of favor. Um, yet, it's seen more of its components, they say, hitting new highs. Um, it's routinely closed at its highest level. We're talking about the financials uh, sector as well. Do we feel like the tide has turned mm. or at least is starting to turn? Dare I say green shoots, whatever you want to call it, yeah. for the stocks, because frankly, you know, the reports have been a little mixed, but I can't think of a recent earnings season for financials where the stock reactions have been yeah. this good. Yeah. They've been pretty good, right? JPM, remember that? JPM was great. Bank of America up today, Morgan Stanley up today. Now yep. Goldman, who knows what that's going to be tomorrow, but nonetheless, as the tide turned. Yeah. So I, I, I think, um, number one, um, the, the earnings barrier has been brought down, right? So it's 100%. So it's a lot easier to jump over these these hurdles, if you will. But JPM's numbers are really good. If I look at Bank of America this morning and ResBeat, EPSBeat, you know, profitability. So sales and trading and investment banning were solid, yeah. better than expected. You know, very strong balance sheet. I think their organic growth with, with their client activity has, has been solid. Um, and, and if we're looking at, listen to the Gorgon's speech earlier from Morgan Stanley, I mean, 
the idea that capital formation is troughing is a positive. I think this is an opportunity as we start to look at the markets broadening out. I think financials could be an opportunity and, and a place that you could add to your portfolio. I'm going to come to you in a second, Josh, but I've got some breaking news I want to get to Steve Kovac on regarding Microsoft. and. I'm guessing it has something to do with Activision, doesn't it? Oh, no, not this time, Scott. No. Actually, this is an AI headlines we're getting. Look at Microsoft share is a better than four and a half percent up right now because of a slew of announcements coming out of their Inspire event over in Redmond, Washington. So uh, basically, the big one here, Scott, is they're announcing pricing for their new AI co-pilot feature. That's the AI chatbot for office uh, office apps like Microsoft Word and Outlook and Teams that kind of helps you along with those programs. It's going to cost $30 per user per month for companies that want to use that. So for example, here at NBC, we use uh, office apps as well. So per for every NBC, NBC employee, they would have to pay an extra $30 per month. The market really liking that headline. In addition to that, they're also announcing as a uh, bundled product as part of just the regular subscription uh, for, uh, for Microsoft 365. It's a new Bing Chat Enterprise. So this is the same Bing Chat bot that we've been talking about all year, but it's an enterprise version that's kind of locked down so uh, companies can feel more comfortable putting uh, private information into that chat bot to help them do work. You might remember throughout the year we've heard companies like Apple and Samsung and Google banning their workers from using ChatGPT for work because of security concerns. This is designed to combat that. And one more headline coming out, a partnership with Meta for their open AI uh, language model. Uh, Microsoft will be supporting them as well through Windows and Azure, Scott. So look at shares now up better than four and a half percent. Yeah, 30 bucks per person. We don't get a group discount or anything? I have. I don't negotiate those deals. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's way above my pay grade. Yeah, paging Brian Roberts. Yeah. We'll have to see what's, what's going on. All right, uh, Steve, thank you. You got that's, it. That's Steve Kovac. Um, interesting news. Uh, Jason Snipe, you own Microsoft. That's a heck of a pop. You don't normally see a 4 to 4.5% pop in a stock like that very yeah, often. 100%. And I think, you know, it, it, it goes to for me at least, you know, this whole AI rage, right? And, and now there's some pricing, there's a pricing model, this AI, AI chat box. I think that's just another opportunity for Microsoft. They announced some news as they're kind of broadening out their space in cybersecurity as well last week. So I think there's a lot of momentum in this stock and it's just worth owning. It's a, it's a stall worth. And um, I just believe it should be a core position in your portfolio. You know, the Nasdaq's on pace, by the way, for its best month since December of 21. This tech run. Remind me, how did things go after that? <laughs> the, the tech run, I don't like the it. tech Listen, run doesn't seem to, to want to abate at I'm all. I'm in all these stocks. I don't love the setup like right this second. The VIX is now in the low 13s. The VIX is down 5% this week and is getting back toward those historic lows. I don't know if the viewers remember. You definitely remember. We used to do shows in like 2019 where people on Wall Street were complaining that there's not enough volatility to make money. Like, that's literally a thing that we used to complain about. That's where the VIX is getting back down to right now. The XLK, that's the tech sector uh, index ETF, is at an advanced decline that is the highest level since August of 2022. Remember what was going on in August of 2022. Uh, we were in the midst of a huge snapback from a big sell-off. We're having that type of performance here, but not in a snapback from a sell-off. We're having that type of performance with these stocks back at highs. It's very, in my view, very tough to get really bullish at that kind of setup. I do think that odds are better than not, you're going to get a little bit of a, a pullback here. Maybe it'll be earnings related. Maybe these companies come out with good reports, but they run up so much into them, they fade back. Yeah, you know I'm what's going to happen the minute that, that happens? 
people will buy them. That's right. No, no, no. That's I underst- right. I understand because the world won't be coming to an end. I'm just saying, a 13 VIX smashed this week. All these stocks making new highs on headlines about AI pricing. Like that's a that's a that's a lot. Yeah, you it's go where you go where the expectations are really lowest, right? Headed into earnings, that's the way I, I kind mm-hmm. of. I mean, are they? They're, okay. they're, and, and, and where about, are they not, in not the magnificent seven? Not talking about technology. You talking can't. about energy down five percent, right. right? Even industrials, it's done well, but it's still lagged. Everything's yeah, yeah, lagged yeah. technology, right? And so materials, no one wants to touch a material stock at this point in time. So I think that's where you're getting better. I think you're, you can have better reactions to earnings. Maybe they're trades, maybe they're not. But that's why I talk about the broadening to see if it's going to last. If it's just tech, that's kind of worrisome to me. But if it, if it broadens out, which I think it will continue because the economy is hanging in there, yeah. that's a good thing. That's, a, that's healthy for the market. Speaking of trades, though, Steph, I was reading a news piece that one options trader bets $40 million that Meta will almost double. I mean. That the 158% crazy. rally is going to keep going. Uh, I mean, but that's the kind of sort of sentiment you have right now around tech. Now that may may make some people, you know, Josh, talking about that, you know, a little uncomfortable. You get feeling of frothiness, Steph. But you know, that's your name, and um, you played that one. It's really well. Well, it's it's my name for sure. And I was. What you been all, trimming though? I I have. I so I was buying it all last year, all the way down. It was very very painful. And so as a result of the nice rally we've had this year, I have been trimming. But it is still a five percent overweight position for me. That's pretty big for a portfolio of twenty two names at this point in time. I like it. It's not nearly as cheap as it was a year ago. But I still think there is that momentum. I want to have a few of these in the portfolio, but I want to have all of them. That's that's for sure. Price targets. Josh, continue to go up. Jefferies takes Apple to 225. Bank of America reiterates NVIDIA 550. They raise the target there. Jefferies goes Alphabet uh, 150. Bank of America adds Marvell to the US one list. Amazon overweight, JPM 145. So a couple of things. The first is that despite the big rallies in these stocks, for the most part, they're just getting back to old highs. They're doing so in some cases with a much better earnings outlook and much less uncertainty than they had the last time they were printing those highs. They're also doing so in an environment where uh, monetary policy is tighter and it's tougher to look at them and say, see, it's a Fed-driven bubble. It, it obviously is not the case why we're seeing those stocks rally. Is it chasing? Is it hurting? Yes. but. Why are those the stocks that people are chasing into? Why are people hurting into those stocks? There's a fundamental reason there are improvements. I've been on this show since we started in 2011, and one of the benefits of having been on the show with Stephanie, uh, she and I are two of the last of the OG castmates. <laughs> I learned stuff from her over the years. Oh, this is something nice. that Stephanie taught me in 2011 that in markets like this, I never forget, I never lose sight of. All the top-down people are almost always bearish. Why? They look at things like national debt and Fed policy and this and that, and they convince themselves that the worst-case scenario is the most likely. In 2011, we were in an environment like that uh, with the European debt crisis and unemployment high and housing prices still falling. And Stephanie would say, (laughs) listen to what the companies are saying. And one of the things over the last 12 years, I can tell you definitively, The bottoms-up people are always more optimistic than the top-down people, because the bottoms-up people focused on how profitable is this company, how much more profitable will they be next year. They have an edge because they're actually listening to things about the company 
and not the macro. So we have a situation, maybe the macro is not great. There are so many large cap stocks that comprise the, multi, the, the, the largest portion of the index where the bottoms up story is better than what we thought it would be in January. And if you just listen and understand you're not investing in GDP, you're not investing in economic forecasts, you're investing in companies. These companies are kicking butt right now. That's not, that's not the picture you would get if you're focused on economic stats 24-7. All right. So thank you, Stephanie. Well, well said. You. Well said. Speaking of Stephanie, uh, oh, let's skip back to financials for a moment before we take a break because certainly Schwab is one of the stocks of the day. Can we throw that up, guys, please? Uh, you own it. Best day since March of 2020. Stephanie Link. Yes. So I bought this in March when it fell a lot. It was down over 30 percent. Um, and everybody was nervous about deposit switching and sorting. And yeah. so today, I think the whole the quarter didn't matter. The whole part of the story and is is a what the CEO said about deposits and where they're going. And also that NIM is actually probably at a trough. And that's it looks like the sorting is starting to calm itself down. And so those are the three things that I was focused on. And the stock is not expensive. The CEO is buying stock, oh, by the way, in March as well. So I still like this very much. It's a really large position now. One more stock up uh, from the financial space is yours, Jason. PNC. Yeah. Not You say yeah. it's not the, the greatest quarter. It wasn't. It Wall wasn't. Street likes it. Yeah. For whatever and it's it, worth. And listen, I, I wasn't on the call, so we'll see. I'll, I'll be able to download that. But it was a revenues miss. It was a profit beat. That interest income uh, fell 2%. Depositors down 2%. Fee income was also down. But they did talk about stability of, of loans, you know, their, their loan business and their loan books. So I think that's, that's, a, uh, that's obviously a unique positive. And they're a super regional. So I think, you know, as it relates to all the mess that we saw with SVB and some of the other players, I think some, obviously the bigger banks have, have benefited from that. And I think, um, you know, PNC as a super regional could as well. So we'll see. All right, good stuff. We're going to take a quick break. Uh, coming up, we'll hit a few bullish calls of the day. Stephanie adding, she teased it. She's adding to one name in her portfolio. We're going to get to that. Plus, still ahead, Messi Mania, the soccer superstar, is now a member of Inter Miami. The club's managing owner, Jorge Moss, is going to join us a little later. He's going to chat the debut and so much more. The buzz down there is just incredible. We'll talk Messi in a little bit as well. Halftime back in two. Old Dominion Freight Line was built on keeping promises. With an industry-leading on-time delivery record and low claims rate, we keep promises better than any other LTL freight carrier because we treat every shipment like it's our most important one, which means we do the little things right so that we can keep our promises and you can keep yours too. That's what drives us. To learn how OD can help your business keep its promises, visit odfl.com. Old Dominion, helping the world keep promises. What does it mean to be rich? Is it having more stories to share or time to give? Is it being able to keep your loved ones close or travel somewhere far away? At Edward Jones, we believe the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Your dedicated financial advisor will take a comprehensive approach to your financial strategy to help support what truly matters to you. edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. All right, we're back. We're better than 300 on the Dow with our calls of the day now, starting with AXP, American Express. Top pick, Morgan Stanley. That's ahead of earnings on Friday. Target's 188. Jason Snipe, you own that. Yes, sir. And I continue to stay bullish on this stock. I think, you know, just the travel and entertainment boom continues 
to, to see momentum, right? So whether it's business travel, retail travel, it doesn't matter. I think uh, that's obviously benefiting the stock tremendously. Last year, I mean, in the last quarter, network volumes were up 16% from prior year. They guided revenue from 15 to 17% in this, in this coming quarter. I think they meet that. You know, and, and obviously, we've, we've seen a lot of growth already in the stock, but I, I see it continue to move further this year. That's why I like it here. Steph? You obviously do, too. This is the one you teased, right? You bought more. Yeah, yeah, I did. It's new for me. I mean, I used to own it, and I made a lot of money in it, trimmed it, and now it's a new Oh, right. Position. You bought it again, not yeah. more. You mm-hmm. bought it again. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of it is because of the macro, right, from goods to services. But yeah. goods is still okay, too. And it's their size and their scale. And I like the mix. 20% is NII, and 80% of their revenues is fee-based. And I like that very much. Um, net and interest income. Net interest income. <laughs> that's right. Um, and it, and on, the one Steph. thing is that their expenses are really high right now because they're investing and which I like to see but if we were to go into a recession or see a material slowdown in the consumer or small and medium businesses they could dial that back down pretty quickly so I think 15 times for 15 percent growth is pretty attractive and I bought a started a small position they report on Friday sometimes it trades sloppy around the quarter uh, I'll buy more I still feel like one stock this year, maybe because it's gotten drowned out a little bit Josh by some of these other tech stocks uh, is Uber yeah. That's just had a great year, okay? Um, named a top second half pick now at Roth MKM. It's been one of your top picks, if not your top pick the entire year. And it's now above the IPO price. Yeah. 47 bucks, 47.20, near 4% again today. I think it's very early. I know Uber's been around since 2009, and it's been public for a long time. But uh, now that they are reaching full-year profitability, that sets off a new chain reaction of what could happen here. This is, I'll quote, the, this is my largest position, by the way, personally. This is the analyst at Roth MKM, $59 target, top internet pick, despite the fact it's up 90% year to date. We reiterate by, uh, given accelerating free cash flow generation, that's what's important right now to investors in large cap tech stocks. That's what they're focused on. These are the companies that are, are being preferred by the flows. They want to own stocks like this. Uber wasn't in that category last year. It is this year. And then you've got all these non-fundamental catalysts. What are we talking about? S&P 500 edition. This is a $90 billion plus dollar market cap right now. The, the, the smaller names in the S&P 500 are about 16, 17 billion market cap. So obviously this goes in. What was the last large cap tech stock to get added to the S&P and what did its stock price do? Anybody remember Tesla? They, they held it out of the S&P until they got four straight quarters of profits, and then they had to add it. And believe me, they didn't want to. And uh, all of the accompanying fanfare that went along with that, you had a, a big short squeeze there, too. That's one. Potential for stock buybacks. Nobody talking about Uber two years ago could even utter the word stock buyback with a straight face. They were losing money in eats. They were losing money on rides. They were starting up freight at a loss. Now that's something you could realistically picture them doing, uh, along with other things. So I think uh, Dara has pulled off one of the great turnarounds that we've seen. Uber's up a lot. I don't think anybody needs to chase into it. However, I can see how things are going to change now that the company has reached profitability. uh, And I think it's going to be in a different category of of stock going forward, along with some of the other tech giants. All right. Uh, Lastly, speaking of up a lot, finally, I guess, Jason Snipe, United Health. Yeah. Last year's one of last year's best. Right. One of this year's worst. Right. In terms of that 
type of, yeah, of stock, right, uh, is getting a nice move today near 4%. Yeah, listen, I mean, the quarter was really strong, and I, I attribute it to the services business. Optum was up 36%. Um, which is a really strong number despite higher medical costs. So I, I really like that here. Bernstein upgrades it today, by the way, to outperform. They take the target to 603, yep. not 600, yeah. 603. Do you worry you about go. utilization rates rising, though? I do. I do. And I, I think that could be challenging. So we'll, we'll see how it plays out. I think the challenge coming into this year is kind of Medicare, like looking into yeah. obviously the election season, Medicare cost pricing being on the docket. But um, I still believe it's a stall worth in this space. It's just worth, it's a compound. It's worth owning. You know? All right. Uh, Contessa Brewer has our headlines today. Hi, Contessa. Hi there, Scott. Former President Donald Trump has been informed he's a target in a high-level investigation, according to two federal law enforcement sources to NBC News. Special counsel Jack Smith is looking into alleged efforts by Trump and his allies to overturn the 2020 election. Sources tell NBC News a letter sent to Trump informed him there is evidence linking him to a crime and he has the right to appear before a grand jury, which is all standard language for a target letter. Italian officials are warning tourists to stay inside during the hottest hours of the day. A severe heat wave is hitting the Mediterranean. Greece, Spain, Switzerland, they're all battling wildfires now. And each country is taking extra precautions. We've seen civil protection workers monitoring crowds in central Rome and in Greece, volunteers handing out water. And an emergency evacuation slide fell off a plane and landed in a Chicago neighborhood. United Airlines maintenance workers noticed the slide was missing when the plane arrived at O'Hare, Chicago. The slide was found in the backyard near the airport. No injuries reported. I don't know whether to think that that's fun, like the kids get a big slide that they've never seen before, or terrifying. The latter. Okay. Uh, But thankfully, no injuries. Yeah. Contessa, thank you. Uh, Contessa Brewer. Coming up next, the setup on Netflix ahead of its earnings tomorrow. Shares up 55% this year. We're back on the half after this quick break. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Edinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Let's talk some Netflix. New 52-week high today. There's a stock, 460 bucks, better than 2%. Jason Snipe ahead of earnings. What are your expectations after a run like this? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, you, you said it off the top, right? It's up 55% already year to date. Um, so for me, all it says that is password sharing is, re- is working. Ad support tier is working. Um, free cash flow is growing. They have a, they have a really nice, uh, in terms strategically, is how, as far as how they're positioned, 60% of their business is done overseas. You know, so when I think about all that's going on uh, with the strikes here in the U.S., mm-hmm. I think, yeah, the comps are lower overseas, but it's still an opportunity for them to grow elsewhere. Uh, so I don't think they'll be affected as, as, as the other streamers will be. So I still like it here into the print, and I think, I think we'll see strong growth also in ARPU as well. Yeah, I mean, you're not the only one. Well, Josh reiterates Netflix overweight. Jeffries reiterates buy, takes the price target to 520. You have to believe that some of Disney's pain um, in maybe more ways than one is is Netflix's gain. Uh, Certainly from a stock standpoint, these things have gone in opposite directions. Yeah. Well, look, Netflix, uh, Netflix obeyed market based signals. This is a really interesting concept. Face Meta did the same thing. 
your stock price is telling you what people think of your strategy. And when you reverse course and you say, okay, you know what? We said for 10 years we're not doing an ad supported. We don't think the viewer wants to see ads during our content. We think it's antithetical to our what blah, blah, blah. Then they're like, all right, we're thinking about it. You get a 20% rally in Netflix. Don't just think about it. Follow through. The market is telling you that's the strategy that's going to work. You know why? You might be smart, Reed. You might know a lot about entertainment, but the people who own your stock know about investing, and they understand cash flow and, and profitability, et cetera. So Netflix obeyed what the market was telling them to do, and it paid off, and it's still paying off. I'm waiting to see Disney follow suit and pay attention to what the market is telling it, which is that the current course of what they're trying to do in streaming is not what investors want to see them do. So this is an interesting case. It worked. I was in Netflix. I played the bounce. I sold it to early story in my life. I still think the stock has room to the upside. You didn't feel like hanging around anymore waiting for Disney, did you, Steph? No, I really didn't. And, and that had to do with Hulu, that, that they want to go after. It sounds like that they want to go after the remaining piece that they don't own. I don't think that they should. I think that there's other things they've got to fix. And then they talked about cost cutting, and then they're cutting content costs, so which definitely is not what I wanted to hear. So it's the Hulu and the content costs, and I just think it's going to take time. I think it can get fixed, and I think parks can definitely get fixed. But for me, I just think there's way other uh, investments that I'd rather they, own. They, do you think they're going to they're gonna sell ABC and Linear TV to fund buying the third of Hulu that they don't own? It's, very enti- it's entirely possible. Who's the buyer for no ABC? Idea. Like in real life, who is the buyer? Nobody. It would be, would be private equity. Private equity, not a strategic, no, not another media company. I don't think so. Um, God, okay. who, who would? I know. I don't. That's why I'm asking. I don't even know what. A, <laughs> I don't even know how you do that deal. Who I, wants it? I, I don't know, and Thoughts? I don't want to wait two years know. to find out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right, we'll take a break. We're, we'll take a break, because straight ahead, Messi mania in Miami, World Cup champs, big U.S. debut just days away. Now we've got Jorge Mas. He's the managing owner of Inter Miami. Joins us next. Welcome back. The arrival of soccer star Lionel Messi has the city of Miami buzzing. Messi signing by far the biggest in the history of Major League Soccer. Jorge Mas is the managing owner of the team. He joins us now live from Miami. Welcome. It's nice to have you on our program today. Thank you. My pleasure. Good to see you. The scene the other night in the rain was pretty extraordinary. I'm wondering if, if you can give us an idea as we look at the video now of what that felt like, that moment after the pursuit of Messi and seeing it realized? Well, f- first, emotional, an epic moment in a torrential rainstorm in front of 20,000 screaming fans, um, and an amazing announcement for South Florida. Super exciting um, here uh, to have him as part of Inter Miami, to have him part of Major League Soccer. And that night was just, I think, a very epic Miami, Miami moment. And I, I alluded to the rain as being holy water that evening. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's already making himself part of the community, too, right? From the video of him shopping at Publix in the supermarket, which was incredible in and of itself, that, that he would do that. Um, how did this happen? At the end of the day, how did it happen? Despite the fact that you've got David Beckham as one of the co-owners, and I'm sure that had a, a, a significant role, how did you pull this off? Well, you know, since we since since we met with with David, you know, myself, my brother Jose, and we had a vision. We had a vision uh, to bring the best players in the world to Inter Miami, to bring them to Major League Soccer. You know, we when we got into 
into, into the project of Inter-Miami. We really did it with wanting, you know, to create a bigger platform for football in the soccer landscape in the United States of America. It's the largest commercial market in the world. The pursuit of Messi started in September of 2019. Um, when David and I flew to Barcelona and we met with his father and really started, started the process of convincing Lionel Messi of coming to America of um, you know, following in the footsteps in 1972 of Pelé, David Beckham in 2007. And we knew that Lionel Messi's arrival to the United States of America in 2023 would, number one, mark a change. Because when does an athlete have the opportunity to truly change a sport? And I think that's the opportunity that Lionel Messi has ahead of himself. I think there will always be a before and an after Lionel Messi's arrival to the sport of football and soccer in the United States of America. And I think there's a tremendous messy effect in all aspects, commercially, on the pitch. We're seeing it here in South Florida, Miami. It's the only thing anyone talks about. Um, so really the pursuit of him was oriented as to selling him about leaving a legacy, making a mark in the United States of America. Coming to South Florida, we sold family, which was important. And I think how he's been received here in Miami, Lionel, his wife Antonella, his family, has been a testament to how we can receive someone here and bring the best player in the world to the shores of our country. Well, he's a magnet, too, um, for other stars. Busquets, you guys got as well from Barca, which is a huge deal in, in and of itself. Everybody knows, I think, at this point about how crazy the ticket sales have been. But how many jerseys have you sold since the day you announced that this was likely going to happen until today? Do you have a, a rough guess on how many jerseys you, you've put out? Well, we well, we, we've sold out. Um, you know, our partner, uh, Adidas, um, is busy printing jerseys. There's, gonna, there's massive demand for the Messi jerseys. You know, with our other partners, you know, Apple TV, and the amount of eyes, the eyes of the world are in Lionel Messi and Inter Miami in this league now. You know, it's, it, it's global in nature. I think you have to be hiding in a cave to not know that Lionel Messi is part of Inter Miami. You know, the platform from our partner at Fanatics has been, has been amazing. So when you look at, at our commercial partners, the amount of demand that there is for mer Messi merchandise, watching Lionel Messi be part of, of the football landscape in America, uh, it's, been, it's, it's been tremendous. Do you have a sense of what it's done to the overall value of your franchise? Well, we, you know, it's, it's you know, our, re our revenues will increase, you know, they'll, they'll go 2x uh, over the course of the next 12 months. Our, our valuation will increase significantly. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised that, that, that our franchise value over the next, you know, year could, could potentially reach, you know, 1.3 to 1.5 billion dollars in enterprise value, mm. given on the metrics and um, you know how how these teams trade off of off of off of revenues and multiples um, so it, it's it's going to have a tremendous impact but i think as important is the impact it's going to have on the sport and i think that it's incumbent upon myself and my partners in major league soccer and fellow owners to seize the moment to seize the unprecedented opportunities that we have ahead of us to hopefully elevate major league soccer over the course of the next three to five years to compete with the premier league and I think that's our ambition, and I think it's the opportunity that, that's ahead of us, and I think we'll be able to seize the moment. I know you've been, you know, completely, you know, soccer all the time of, of late, and, and for good reason, but you are the founder and chairman yes. of MassTech, the infrastructure company, yes. so you must have a pretty good read beyond the soccer economy, what the real economy looks like right now. What are your thoughts on, you know, where you think we are? 
you're obviously in a good spot with infrastructure and the amount of spend that's been designated yes. towards that area. But what are your thoughts? Well, number one, we're seeing, you know, we're for all of our products and we're in the infrastructure business, you know, be it be it energy, telecommunications, you know, our pipeline business. Um, they're all very strong. Um, you know, I think I think this economy has been very resilient. I think as we see the continued, you know, evolution of how we communicate, how the power and energy grid has to change and is going to change over the next decade in our country, I think Mostec is not only extremely well positioned, but look, our economy's been resilient. There was a lot of uncertainty last year, um, you know, given what happens with interest rates, is the economy slowing down? I'm very bullish on our markets, and I think that 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 we're going to be in a very good place. And I I do not expect a hard landing or any type of recessionary, you know, environment as long as we keep inflation in check and and interest rates can start on a downward trend. But but I'm very bullish on our markets and and what we've been able to do with our family business, Mostec, which. Uh, you know, we've been we've been extremely busy over the last 45 or 60 days, as you can imagine. <laughs> yeah, I bet you have your hands full, to say the least. Uh, so three days away, right? Is Messi going to be on the pitch on the 21st? Me Messi will debut on on Friday night against Cruz Azul here at Drive Pink Stadium on Friday night. You know, we have to be patient. You know, Lionel and Sergio, you know, Sergio Busquets um, are coming off of you know a couple week vacation. They will both debut. They will both play. You know, we all want results uh, immediately. We want three points, but, you know, their adaptation um, to coming here. Look, I, I saw training this morning. They're both competitive beasts. Um, you know, I'm, 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 you know, we're winners. We want to win, but, but, but I think patience. The fact Lionel Messi will debut and Sergio Busquets will debut on Friday uh, will make this an amazing, you know, cap to a successful week. Yeah, no doubt about that. And you enjoy all of it. I uh, deserve it. We'll talk to you soon, Jorge. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right. It's Jorge Moss joining us from down in Miami. Coming up, by the way, on July 25th, you can join me in Los Angeles as CNBC and Boardroom team up to host Game Plan, a high-powered event bringing together the most influential leaders across the sports landscape. For more details, go to CNBCEvents.com slash Game Plan. Up next, Santoli is Midday Word. All right, you saw the Dow there, up better than 300 today. Mike Santoli, our senior markets commentator, is back with us. I don't know, another day, the same story. A little more of a Dow day, but otherwise similar. This feel of uh, really just the, the bias to the upside, little upside drift. This idea, look, coming into the week, uh, it was easy to say, maybe that's enough for now, uh, just in terms of how far you've gone. But I think it's also telling the S&P 500 month to date is up like 2.2%. It feels like it's gone up a lot. It feels like it's up every day. It's the relentlessness True. of it. Uh, and it's, it, the market's still acting like, even though the sentiment and positioning stuff is, has gotten a little more aggressive, that people don't feel as if they're exposed enough. And there's just no net selling uh, out there. And so that, to me, in a very kind of quiet, low-volume way as people are just willing to let prices drift higher. The tolerance of higher prices is where we are right now. You know, we'll, we'll get to the extent of it. We'll, maybe some of the spicier parts of the market will we'll probably overact a little bit, but we're not quite there. I, I, as you were saying it, I wrote down FOMO because that's yeah. what it kind of feels like, right? Sure. That's why you get this continued chase higher, even when it feels like, okay, maybe it's going to take a breather. There is that fear of missing out. I would say even besides a fear of missing out, an acknowledgement of having missed out and what do we do now? Um, so you do have still elevated cash levels. Levels, uh, among some institutions and this idea that you have to participate but you see the, the way the Russell sprinted higher at the open today it's outperforming 
in July so far, the NASDAQ 100, or it's nip and tuck between the two. So it shows you that you want to buy something that maybe hasn't moved yet, and, and that sort of keeps the market rotating rather than uh, pulling back across the Transports, board. Transports, we said, you know, there, there are a yeah. lot of signals that you could say, okay, there's a good little confirmation signal of where the economy seems to be and how people feel and, and the reason they feel the way they do about the market. And it, it just gives people fewer reasons or excuses to say that there's something that's flawed about the about the way the market has gotten here. So we'll see. Yeah, all right, good stuff. And I'll see you uh, on Closing Bell. Absolutely. That's Mike Santoli. Final trades are next. Closing Bell, 3 o'clock Eastern. Ivanka Crawford today. We're talking tech. Got low Tony as well. Mm-hmm. Kevin Gordon of Schwab. Nicole Webb. Talk about the markets, earnings season, what lies ahead as the beat goes on, really, for the markets. Jason Snipe, final trade, you're up first. Yeah, I like uh, Quest Diagnostics here. Obviously, they benefited tremendously through the COVID era, but their non-COVID revenues continue to grow, and they recently raised a guide, so I like it here. Okay, Stephanie Link. I like Keysight Technologies. I don't own it yet, but it's definitely on my radar screen. It's a test and measurement company spun out from Agilent in 2014. They just made one of the largest acquisitions to increase their software exposure, ESI, for a billion dollars, and that's going to be very accreative. I'm going to front run you on that. Downtown Josh Brown on <laughs> Acquiring <press>. shares now. <laughs> Listen, the biggest tour in the world ever, Taylor Swift, a billion dollars. Who else is touring? Foo Fighters, Beyonce, Ed Sheeran. Live Nation is how you get paid on that. I think the stock gets through 100 bucks a share. Scott, take us out. All right. Thank you, Josh. You've been listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast. You can always catch us live weekdays at 12 Eastern, only on CNBC. All opinions expressed by the Halftime Report participants are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of CNBC, NBC Universal, their parent company or affiliates, and may have been previously disseminated by them on television, radio, internet, or another medium. You should not treat any opinion expressed on this podcast as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of an opinion. Such opinions are based upon information the Halftime Report participants consider reliable, but neither CNBC nor its affiliates and or subsidiaries warrant its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. To view the full Halftime Report disclaimer, please visit CNBC.com forward slash Halftime Report disclaimer. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.